0: Today we're going to be talking about the road to the American Civil War, and, you know, there's nothing that gets me more excited than talking about the American Civil War. To me, it's one of the most fascinating parts of our history, but also it's an extremely popular uh, subject in U.S. history. Lots of books, movies, podcasts, everything about the Civil War, and with so much information about the Civil War, sometimes it can be kind of hard to separate the really well-researched material from the not-so-well-researched material. So today we're going to be looking strictly at the causes of the American Civil War. And really we have to start with the idea of Manifest Destiny. Manifest Destiny was the idea that the U.S. was ordained, destined by God, to spread across the entire continent. To go from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific Ocean. And this shaped a lot of actions taken by America in this time period. We're going to look at acquiring new territory, driving Indians and natives away from that territory. And we're also even gonna go to war to obtain more territory. Texas independence is gained in 1836 and pretty much immediately, Texas wants to be part of the United States. It wants to be part of the United States because it offers a great protection. And most of the people living in Texas at this point who are not Tejanos are from the United States originally. So they see this as kind of a homecoming. The problem is, Not many people in the U.S. really, or at least the U.S. Congress, wants Texas at this point in time. If they admit Texas, that means admitting another slave state. That will throw off the balance of free states to slave states. It will create a lot of tension and problems. So we decide eh, probably best just not to take Texas, at least not right now. So Andrew Jackson says pass. Martin Van Buren says hard pass. And it's not until you have a dark horse candidate, unexpected candidate for president, in an uh, upcoming election game James K. Polk, that you really see someone promise to admit Texas as a state. James K. Polk will admit Texas as a state, and uh, that should be the end of the story, right? Well, unfortunately, or at least unfortunately for Mexico, it's not. Texas and Mexico dispute where the actual border between the two places is. Texas says the border is the Rio Grande River, while Mexico claims that the boundary is the Nueces River. Uh, James K. Polk says it's the Rio Grande River because he wants more territory, so he orders U.S. troops to cross over into uh, the, this kind of disputed no man's land between the two rivers. Well, when this is done, uh, there's actually a skirmish, a little small battle, uh, and this actually uh, creates the Mexican-American War. Uh, Polk asked Congress for a declaration of war saying that U.S. blood has been spilt on U.S. soil. Meanwhile, opponents like Abraham Lincoln are saying, hold up, fam. Are we even sure this is U.S. territory? Like you're claiming it is. Where was the exact spot? This became known as Lincoln's spot resolution, the speech he gave in Congress. It also gave him a nickname, Spotty. Uh, Of course, none of y'all never heard of Abraham Spotty Lincoln because his nickname became replaced with a more famous nickname, Honest Abe. Thank God, because Spotty, really? Is he a dog now or something? Well, so the U.S. goes to war with Mexico in the Mexican-American War, and it is a disaster for Mexico. Mexico loses several big battles. Mexico itself is invaded, and they are forced to sign a treaty ending the war known as the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo. The treaty will give U.S. uh, control of California, New Mexico, Arizona, parts of Colorado, Utah, parts of Nevada, and this will... uh, really be detrimental to Mexico. Mexico does get money for all this territory, $15 million, but they lose half of their land mass and about a third of their population. Now, from the get-go, there's a debate on whether slavery is gonna be allowed in this new territory or not. Uh, Southerners want slavery there. They wanna expand slavery. In order for slavery to continue to flourish, it needs to expand to new and new territories. Cotton land back east is being over-farmed in the south. They need fresh soil to grow cotton. Although, I don't really think the deserts of New Mexico is a good place to grow cotton. I don't know. But uh, So this whole thing was that we have to allow slavery to expand. Now, people like David Wilmot, another congressman, is totally opposed to the expansion of slavery. He sees this as being extremely detrimental to... Uh, the United States. So he actually tries to pass a law called the Wilmot Proviso that would ban slavery in the newly acquired territories from the Mexican session. His plan kind of fails. And kind of fails? I mean, it definitely fails. Like it, slavery is not banned by the Wilmot Proviso, but it was an attempt to. This brings us into the Compromise of 1850. How to deal with the debate over slavery. Let's just push this aside and push it down further to the line. We'll do some things in the Compromise to make the North happy. Uh, like we'll end the slave trade in Washington, D.C. That's cool, so you can't buy ourselves slaves in the nation's capital, that's awesome. The things that the South likes, such as um, a stronger fugitive slave law, trying to force Northern states to return escaped slaves to the South. This enrages the Northerners, they hate this, they're mad. They don't want to have to contribute to this. So the Compromise of 1850, for a time, kind of settles the debate over slavery. But then right, right away we're... We have more drama. The Kansas-Nebraska Act, championed by Stephen Douglas to create territorial governments for Kansas and Nebraska in order to facilitate the transcontinental railroad, Uh, great, not controversial, until he adds the point about popular sovereignty. Let the territories decide if they want to be free or slave. The big deal, if they allow this, it's going to undo the Missouri Compromise, which said that Kansas and Nebraska would be free territories, free states. Now he's saying, let them decide. It passes. It's chaos. Southerners pour into Kansas, Northerners pour into Kansas, and they begin to actually fight. The pro-Southern, pro-slavery side attacks the pro-North, uh, anti-slavery side, and the fighting goes back and forth, and it gets really bloody, so bloody that it's known as Bloody Kansas. So we're really building up to the Civil War. Uh, the compromise of 1850 and the Kansas-Nebraska Act really kind of seals the doom of the Whig Party, and we see the rise of a new third party, the Republican Party. Well, I say a third party, but they're actually not a third party because they become really the only other major political party besides the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party base is solidified in the South, and the parties are aligning around sectionalism. The Northerners become increasingly more Republican, the Southerners increasingly more Democratic, and we are scheduled for a great showdown in the election of 1860. The Republicans choose Abraham Lincoln. The Democrats split into northern and southern sections, and then there's the Constitutional Union Party under John Bell. So what we have is a four-way race for the presidency. The Democrats are split. Because they split, they have no chance of winning, and Abraham Lincoln is elected president. The Southerners hate this because Lincoln is opposed to the expansion of slavery, although Lincoln says he will not mess with slavery where slavery exists currently. But still, the Southerners declare uh, independence, and secede from the Union. Now, they're not really independent nations, though. There's no provision in the Constitution that says a state can leave the Union. So it's kind of bull honky, if you ask me. People were like, oh, they're an independent nation because they said so. The Southerners are the ones themselves screaming about limited federal government, you can only do what's in the Constitution. Well then they go ahead and just portray that idea just to get what they want. That's why I think the South is a bunch of whiny crybabies throughout the Civil War. And this gets me to my epic rant. And my rant today is going to be about the cause of the Civil War. Guys, without a shadow of a doubt, with 100% complete honesty and with lots of scholarship to support me, I can tell you right now that the Civil War was fought over slavery. There's a neo-Confederate movement there is a Southern apologist movement in the United States today that will try to say that the Civil War was not fought about slavery. It was fought about this, it was fought about that, it was this or that, blah, 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 blah. There's also people that still wanna name high schools and build monuments to the Confederacy. Hello, they lost and they're racist. Get over it, South, you lost the war. Uh, so how do I know that the Civil War, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is, was fought about slavery? Well, all I have to do is look at the Southern states. They're the ones that say why they're leaving. Each state that leaves the Union passes an ordinance of succession, a document that says why they are leaving the Union. South Carolina in there says, and I quote, Our position is thoroughly identified with the institution of slavery, the greatest material interest of the world. A blow at slavery is a blow at commerce and civilization. That's every single state will make a similar claim. Texas sums up its view of a union built upon slavery. We hold as undeniable truths that the governments of the various states and of the Confederacy itself were established exclusively by white race for themselves and their posterity, that means their offspring, that the African race has no agency in their establishment. They were rightfully held and regarded as inferior and dependent race. They're saying themselves they have left because of slavery. So if somebody ever tells you the Civil War was not fought over slavery. Just feel free to pull any of the ordinances of succession as further proof that, yes, this was a war fought over slavery. The South is fighting to protect slavery. The North originally is fighting to preserve the Union, but over time, as we'll see next week, the North will start to fight to end the institution of slavery. Thanks for joining in. We'll see you next time on 10-Minute Day Push.